After generations of being limited to three substitutions per game, soccer competitions around the world started giving teams five substitutions per game in 2020. That was supposedly temporary, but now it appears it's here to stay. It's now been made law of the land in the Premier League. But now that we've had a bit of sample size, what has the impact been on the game as we know it? On the Athletic Football Tactics podcast, my colleagues Michael Cox and Mark Carey joined host Ali Maxwell to talk about this from a lot of perspectives, including player freshness, the tempo of a given game, manager's influence, and so much more. It's a really interesting discussion, and we'll hear from them today. I'm Alex Abnos from The Athletic, and this is Soccer Every Day for Wednesday, August 24th. Okay, let's get into five substitutions. Lots to talk about this ahead of the new season, the Premier League finally following suit with the rest of Europe. Michael, from the very foundation of five subs during COVID times, I think it's fair to say you were never a fan of of this idea and its adoption from the start. How do you feel about it now? Yeah, I'm still not a massive fan. I don't particularly see that there's many real benefits for football here. I'd, I'd say there's there's four areas I would say is a bit of a concern. And I'm going to leave aside for now the argument about whether it suits bigger teams or not, because I think there's been a lot of discussion about that. But one, uh, I think it increases the tempo of games, which I don't think in itself is necessarily a good thing. I think the games are played at a good tempo at the moment. And I think there is a danger that there'll be just so much focus and so much uh, emphasis on pressing and aggression and getting really tight that actually some of the more cultured players who thrive with a bit of time on the ball kind of their influence is slightly lessened second I think there's an issue with squad size in general I think big clubs hoard too many players um, and I think you know back in the relatively old days when you could only name 16 players in your squad and 14 players could play a part it was a lot harder to keep a lot of highly paid professionals kind of happy and on board. I think those players would be more inclined to go to lesser teams. I think now you've got a match day squad of 20, 16 who can play a part. I think it's easier for, for clubs to hoard players who maybe could drop down the league and, and be just contributing a bit more to football in general. Um, third issue is tactical fouling, which I think is a, a really big issue in the game. We actually saw an example of this in the Tottenham or Chelsea Tottenham game we were just talking about. Where was it? Reese James basically rugby tackled. Who was it? Son? No, yeah, it was Son. Yeah, he was scampering clear. That's it. Well, not scampering clear. He was he was about to lead a very dangerous looking counter attack. Yeah, and and that is Tottenham's game plan. Tottenham's game plan is kind of sucking their opponents in and playing past them quickly on the break if you want to call it a break. I know Conte doesn't really like it if you call it a break, but those situations, and I think teams playing against that are now more able to tactically foul and say, well, we can just sub him because we've got five subs, so that's not mm. that's not a huge issue. And finally, just I think there's a balance in football between how much the managers are in control of stuff and how much it's a bit of a kind of you know runaway train they're not in control of. And I think sometimes there's an argument that actually managers can change too much now and have too much influence on the game. So, and I think there's a balance to be found. So uh, yeah, overall, I'm not a fan. I don't think it's disastrous for the game, but I can't really see the arguments for it. I think that's my main issue. I know player burnout and injuries and those kind of things. But as I've said previously, I 
slightly unconvinced by the injury argument when the impact of more subs is going to mean a higher tempo and it's going to mean players who have to play 90 minutes are more likely to be up against players who are completely fresh. I'm just not really sure that's going to have the desired impact, but we shall see. The tempo and the intensity thing interests me as well because it's something which I thought is yeah, two sides of the coin that you can higher rotation within the game could either mean a, a greater spectacle because you do still have that that higher intensity, potentially less fatigue, so it's going to be a bit more played at breakneck speed. Or would it become a worse spectacle because in theory you could have up to 10 new players come on the pitch and the mm. rhythm of the game is completely disrupted and you can almost... I think there's been occasions before where you know teams have made, maybe in the Champions League have made a lot of substitutions and beyond maybe 70 minutes you can almost write off the final 20 minutes of the game because it hasn't been kind of true to the the tactical patterns of the the other 70 minutes so i'm sure it'll change game to game but it it could be you know i think two sides of the coin where it's even better as a spectacle because of the tempo or even worse because the rhythm of the game is just absolutely disrupted this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the nba want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So much to unpack with this, and I don't I don't really know where to start. And I, I already feel like trying to find answers or at least trying to present answers is a bit of a fool's errand here I mean for a start Mark you know you wrote a piece ahead of the new season about the five subs rules you dug into to data from the European leagues that have used this um, and you tried to work out things like does it favor the bigger sides and uh, how does it impact injuries and burnout etc it struck me that it's so difficult to do your job on this front it's so difficult specifically with this conversation, to measure impact Mm. and to find correlation, given that there's so many factors that go into the result of a football match. There's so many factors that go into a goal being scored in a football match. And therefore, to measure the impact of an individual substitute or or the extra two, as it may be, outside of did they score the winning goal? (laughs) It's just impossible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've hit it spot on there in terms of the impact. And that's why I looked at the correlations and relationships between these things and notoriously correlation is not causation. So you can't actually then look at the, yeah, the actual causation uh, itself. So that's why I mainly looked at it like that, but you're right. There's so many things to unpick. And I know that, yeah, we won't labor the point about the, the top sides, but I think one of the arguments I made was that more substitutions doesn't necessarily mean, doesn't have a relationship with more league points. And that just makes complete sense anyway, because it's not necessarily about the the quality of players, sorry, the quantity of players that um, a change within the game. It's it's all about the quality of players. So if you're a better side anyway, you're more likely to get more points, irrespective of whether you make a lot of substitutions or not. So naturally, you'd think that would follow, that this is not going to have too much relationship. But I mean, on the note of burnout as well, in the piece I wrote that Liverpool and Chelsea both played 63 games in all competitions last season. And Aston Villa, as a random example in the Premier League, played 41 games in all competitions. So 22 more games from Liverpool and Chelsea. So that does lend itself to the the burnout idea. And I know that you've got to think about rotation between games as much as within games. But if there's, you know, talking about players in the red zone and injuries come into play you do think that maybe there is a case for it when you look at that stark contrast of two teams in the same league, but 22 games separate them in terms of all competition games played. 
it definitely seems to make sense to me, someone with absolutely no knowledge of sports science, that, that rotation between games would have a bigger impact than a manager being able to take two extra players off. Partly because, and this is purely anecdotal, so far, Michael, what I think I've seen from the five subs rules is that the fourth and fifth sub, the extra ones, are mostly being taken off in the last 10 minutes of the game, if not the last five minutes of the game. And it's it's hard for me to understand how that would make a ginormous impact on the physical fatigue and or the recovery ability of a player that's played 86 minutes rather than 93 minutes. I think you're right. I, I don't have anything more to add. I agree. Thanks again to the Athletic Football Tactics Podcast for that segment. If you want to hear more from that episode, it's linked in this show's description. Also contained in that episode is a segment on tactical fouling, where Ali Maxwell goes into great detail explaining hack-a-shack, a term that will of course be familiar to any of us that are even remotely familiar with the NBA in the 90s and early 2000s. It's a very good explanation, I have to say. It's just funny to hear it laid out the way it was laid out right alongside some very, very informative soccer chat. Before we go, your TV guide for today. All times are Eastern. There are three Champions League qualifying games, the second legs of these, and these games are always pretty exciting. All three are on Paramount+. Plus. All three are at 3 p.m. One of them is Trabzonspor, sorry for the mispronunciation there, versus Copenhagen. Copenhagen is currently up 2-1 in that one. Also at 3 p.m., Dinamo Zagreb versus Bodo Glimt. That Bodo Glimt is up 1-0 in that. But the game to watch among this trio, in my opinion, is PSV versus Rangers. That tie is tied 2-2 going into the second leg at PSV. Obviously, you have Malik Tillman and James Sands playing a role for Rangers, so there's some Americans abroad interest there. Definitely worth a watch. Also, though, at around that same time, at 2.45 p.m. in the League Cup in England, Tranmere Rovers hosting Newcastle United. That'll be on ESPN+. And later on tonight, we have two interesting games, one in the NWSL, the North Carolina Courage versus Portland Thorns. That'll be on Paramount+. And then in Liga Emekis, the Derby de los Gatos. Nobody calls it that. I'm sorry that I called it that. Anyway, it's Pumas versus Tigres. That'll be on TUDN at 10.05 p.m. Enjoy it. And maybe call it Derby de los Gatos if you want to. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic. Thank you so much for listening and happy soccer to you all.